and five, four, three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to America.com. My name is Rich Doc Hayden. Our, um, my partner, uh, Harpo, is uh, taking this week off, and he's got some stuff to do, but we are joined by our friend and 2-7 brother, Matthew Maxwell. Maxwell, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Doc. Good, 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 good. So here we are. It is uh, Tuesday, May 9th. The war in Ukraine. As we've been, we've been staying out. We've been covering it since the day it started. Uh, we are now over. We are almost a year and a half into this, and the everybody, the entire world is waiting on the um, long suspected Ukrainian offensive, and. Nobody knows when it's going to jump off, how it's going to jump off. So, Maxwell, let me open it up to you. What have you seen this last week, and what are your thoughts on the upcoming offensive? Oh, man. So, uh, two things. First off, the Britain has agreed to supply Ukraine with long-range rockets, hmm. long-range missiles that we have not agreed to. Like, HIMARS has a, a great range but the ATACMS rounds, uh, we have not been supplied, which is the the really long range uh, missiles for the HIMARS. So we have not agreed to do that, but uh, Britain has agreed to supply their version of long range, like deep strike missiles. Mm-hmm. So you've got that situation. Um, and then I was reading some reports today that the 72nd separate motorized rifle brigade of the Russians have fled on the 500 oh, wow. meter, I think it's a 500 meter front, mm-hmm. which left the Wagner group exposed. Oh, wow. And Wagner took 500 casualties Damn. as a result of that. So, yeah. Jesus. The 72nd Motorized Rifle Brigade of the Russian Armed Forces uh, retreated 30 kilometers from the front. God. God. And 500 catches. I don't think, like, if you look at the worst year in Iraq, we might have had 500 killed. Maybe. I, I'm, I'm actually not. I know that the... The, the worst year in Iraq, if I'm not mistaken, was 2004, and a big part of that is because of the Battle of Fallujah. But, um, yeah. you know, we, we certainly didn't have a 1,000 kill. I mean, I'll have to check the numbers, but, like, yeah, 500 um, in such a short span is just is, is mind-boggling to me. You know what I mean? That is crazy. Yep. Yeah, crazy. Oh, all right, all right. So, so yeah, so already we're starting to see um, some, some rumblings and some uh, movement on that. So... For the offensive, for the spring offensive, and again, we don't, we're not, we don't obviously have no uh, insight into the planning process or what's going to happen. But you know, what what are your thoughts on the upcoming offensive? You know, is there going to be one? How, how heavy is it going to be? What you know, what are you thinking? Uh, well, it's funny because I have uh, an article I was reading in the Modern War Institute, uh, which is out of West Point, and. They're reporting between the training, between the training that the Ukrainians have received, between the weapons and intelligence and logistics that they've received, 
and their will to fight coupled with the Russians' inability to mass anything uh, and have really decent command and control, right? It's like, it's a very disjointed Mm -hmm. uh, military operation on the Russian side that their speculation is that the Ukrainian coming counteroffensive is going to be overwhelmingly successful Mm. and could be enough to like really put this thing to bed. Wow. That's their speculation. That's coming out of West Point. Wow. Wow. That's pretty, that's amazing. That's impressive. That's impressive. And that, I think that is certainly possible. I'm I'm going to, in a little bit, I'm going to, I read a couple of potential counterpoints to that, but that is um, that that number one. I, I do think that that is possible, and I think that that would be um, ideal, you know. And I think that if that um, if the, the if if this, as we've been discussing for the last couple of weeks, you know, if the you know the Ukrainians have been training, um, you know, with the U.S. and NATO forces, they're being reinforced with Western, um, you know, Western armaments, Western tanks, Western weapons. And yeah, they certainly. If the if, if the Russians continue to just 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 can just keep this poor showing, then yeah, I definitely think it's possible. You know what I mean? Yeah, I tell you what. When we get into a deeper discussion of like of this training and like tactics involved, like there's going to be. Uh, I think there's a lot to talk about for point counterpoint uh, on how this offensive is going to turn out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what do you see? Like, so I so far, what you know, what have what have you heard about that specific? I mean, we don't know until it get kicks off again. But like, what do you um, uh, have you read anything about the training or any speculation about how it's yeah. going to go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, you know, you've had you've had Ukrainians training in the United States and also in Europe, right? Um, for the armored vehicles and the tanks and whatever. And they actually, there was something, I saw something earlier this week, I think it was Newsweek, that showed all the Bradley fighting vehicles in Ukraine now, Mm. right? So you've got, like you were saying, the advanced Western military technology, but even more so, you've had Ukrainian units training in advanced maneuver warfare and combined arms, Right. These are the two things that they credit the United States' ability to rapidly overthrow a country mm-hmm. is maneuver warfare and, and legitimate combined arms, meaning I can fire artillery, use air support, and direct fire weapons all in conjunction with each other to keep the enemy on its back, right? And then steamroll them with our ability to maneuver from multiple platforms, multiple avenues, right? Mm -hmm. Surfacing gaps, you know, finding, like, you know, hell, the the Russians are lucky that the offensive isn't happening right now because losing 500 meters and having an entire unit flee, that opens up a hole, and you could just punch through there like Mm -hmm. Blitzkrieg right through that thing. But that's what they've been learning, right? And they have been learning... The proven that what we have proved since the 80s that we're good at, you know, like uh, Grenada, Panama, mm-hmm. fucking Gulf War One, uh, you know, war in Iraq, the march up at least. Mm-hmm. 
and, and Afghanistan, like we could we could rip into a country quick as shit and overwhelm you quickly. Here's the other thing, um, you know, with that, one of the things that we try to gain is air superiority right away, and and electronic warfare mm-hmm. means so. If if these guys are training in NATO techniques and our techniques, they're learning all this thing. They're learning how to use everything at at their disposal. Whereas the Russians can't seem to get out of like fucking failing doctrine, yeah. right? All mm-hmm, they do mm-hmm. is push more people towards it. Yeah. So you've got tried and true proven doctrine and proven maneuver warfare and combined arms, which is the game changer against this antiquated shit mm-hmm. that doesn't work, right? Like that, that by itself is one thing. Tack on the fact that the Ukrainians like have the fucking resolve like mm-hmm. you won't believe because they're fighting for their homeland. And this is the thing, like the Ukrainians have been putting out, the Ukrainian defense ministry has been saying like, we'll hold Bakhmut until the offensive, like they're confident they'll hold. It's and Bakhmut is is a desolate wasteland at this point, and it's trench warfare, like it's fucking World War One, right? And it's it's a desperate situation for both sides, but the Ukrainians feel confident that they're going to hold, uh, probably because of the probably because of the performance of the Russian military, <laughs> but they feel that they can hold. Uh, until this thing comes, and I really, uh, from what I've read and just seeing how the Ukrainians fight, like, and I've always speculated this, you give them our knowledge of warfare and our freaking equipment, you know, which are now fighting against, you know, T-62 tanks. There was some, like, uh, report that, the Russians were sending new T-90 tanks in there, but when they showed the pictures, it's kind of like the propaganda mill. Mm-hmm. They, the tanks didn't have the side skirts on them and all the shit. They're like, well, and some people like looked at the photos and, you know, analysts and shit like, well, these tanks aren't even outfitted to go to the front, mm-hmm. right? So they're parading like, oh, we're sending these new tanks up there. So the speculation is like, those things probably don't even work, mm-hmm. right? So... Uh, but, you know, the T-62 tanks, I mean, hell, these old tanks that they pulled out of mothballs because they've lost 5,000 tanks already or some crazy number like that, mm-hmm. um, this shit can't stand up. You know, we've got freaking man-portable rockets that would absolutely incinerate a main mm-hmm. battle tank. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to throw that up against Abrams. Challengers and yeah. leopard tanks that all NATO has with advanced armor, like those things are going to eat these tanks up. We know this because we ate up the Iraqi armor twice, mm, yeah. right? And, and yeah. the first Gulf War, and then again uh, on the march up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know I, I it's actually since the early days of this war, I've I've done my best to to um, not get too. Um, Overly optimistic and hope for too much, and uh, or hope for too much too fast. I do, uh, you know, I do think that 
uh, over time, Ukraine will win. It's not an inevitability. Nothing's ever an inevitability. But, but let me, I want to share, there's one article that I read that offered a couple of counterpoints. It was in the New York Times, and it was um, a, a little pessimistic, and I disagreed with um, just about all of it except for one point, and it, um, it, uh, which could turn out to, it, it, in, in one um, permutation, this could turn out to happen, but um, the article was essentially about how the Ukrainians, um, how, the, the article essentially was about how time was on Russia's side, and ahead of the coming offensive, the Ukrainians are starting to sweat a little, which I didn't entirely agree with, but um, the, uh, the article stated that, you know, with, um, there's a lot of pressure and a lot of expectations on um, Ukraine right now to deliver on the hype of this coming offensive. And um, you know, the article speculated that patience in the war in Ukraine is starting to wear a little thin now, and um, Putin doesn't have the same domestic considerations that um, democracies, you know, in the West do. He had, you know, he's he certainly there. The Russia is um, just has lost all sorts of um, uh, uh, lost all sorts of um, had all sorts of casualties, lost all sorts of equipment. So their industrial capability and their they're just their their um, munition stocks are depleted. But um, they don't have to worry. Putin doesn't have to worry about domestic opinion. If he wants to steamroll it on, he just has to look out for um, you know somebody in the Kremlin stabbing him in the back and throwing him out of a window, right? So, um, or, but you know, in, in professional speaking, he has to worry about a, a coup or some other you know challenge to his power. So the article speculated, or there isn't speculated, but the article said that um, you know Putin's calculation uh, is that he has time that he can just wait out the clock and, um, you know, eventually next year in presidential election, if, you know, Trump or another Republican um, who is, you know, a, a little more um, hesitant about the war in Ukraine wins the presidency, then all of a sudden things change and he can come to the negotiating table with a much stronger hand. And I think that that is it's very presumptuous in for a number of reasons. Number one, I think that resolve... Uh, among NATO countries is much deeper than um, previous perspectives. Certainly, you know, 15 months into it is much deeper than I would have thought at the outset. You know, I think it's actually really surprised everyone, and I think that it's um, the support for Ukraine has gathered momentum um, in a way that I certainly didn't anticipate. Um, number so uh, That was number one. Number two, the article completely um, overlooked the fighting will of the Ukrainians, that even if, let's just say, for argument's sake, uh, Western support ended tomorrow, the Ukrainians would still fight to the death. And while they may not beat the Russians as quickly or as handily as if they had, you know, all this advanced um, weaponry and support from the West, they would still be a, a sizable and lethal and very, very, very efficient fighting force. So it, it didn't... Um, didn't include that. The the one potential scenario, though, that does that I do think is um, possible is if Trump or another Republican who is um, not as sympathetic to the uh, Ukrainians and um, would like to end the war uh, is elected next year, then 
I could see potentially some U.S. support dwindling. But that's the election itself is a year and a half away. If you know Trump or another Republican were to win, there um, the the election is in November of next year. Then they would there'd be another two months of transition. Um, so it'd be uh, you know before he would you know he or she would be. Um, uh, uh, um, you know, seated as president, so that's 20 months. That's a Putin would have to wait out 20 months. I don't know if, if the Russians can um, wait that long. Um, now, that's if, that's if, of course, you know, Trump or some, uh, a president who is, you know, against the war wins. If Biden's reelected, I mean, you know, I, I really don't see any um, uh, support for the war flagging. Maybe a, you know, a, a little bit as time goes on, but the core of support is going to remain. So, um, so yeah. with with what I just said, I mean, is there, um, you know, well, let's let's yeah, assume, like a, you know, assume assume for a moment the, the the spring offensive isn't as successful as everybody hopes. What what happens next? Yeah. Well, okay, so spring effective offensive probably happening May or June, right? That's that's what the expectation is, mm-hmm. right? So I think there's going to be and I'm trying not to be overly optimistic, but from based off the conventional wisdom, based off of what we've seen and what we know we're bringing to the table now, the Ukrainians, right, and with the support that they're getting, to me, all signs point to it's going to be very successful. Mm. I would also point to the first counteroffensive where there was limited U.S. support and they were able to take back 40% of what was mm-hmm. taken from them, right? They did that with their own equipment. Of course, there was javelins and whatnot. We did support them in that effect, and we did support them with intelligence support, which I think no matter who's in the White House, will continue to do that because it's very hands, it's very like hands-off, right, mm-hmm. providing that type of support. Um I would think people opposing the war in Ukraine with the, I think the way we've well executed foreign policy, you'd be a fucking moron to like make that as your platform as we're going to pull out support Mm -hmm. for people that are legitimately fighting for their fucking Mm -hmm. life and for their fucking freedom. Right. Like that, that's that on top of that, say, say that scenario were to play out. I, God, for the sake of this fucking country, I hope to. I hope that there's no fucking Republican in the White House after this. I'm, I'm so sick of these fucking people. And I've got a whole, I've got a whole sidebar commentary that I'll save to the final thought mm-hmm. on that one. But, uh, but NATO is stepping up in a big way. Like I said in the beginning, uh, Britain's providing. They've just agreed to provide long-range missiles. Poland's providing MiGs, right? Britain, Britain, Germany are providing main battle tanks. The U.S. is providing main battle tanks. So if the U.S. were to shut it off tomorrow, like the NATO countries understanding the gravity of fucking Russia and uh, incursion into a fucking free country has stepped the fuck up, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I would say 
on equal footing as the United States. We generally spend more money on fucking defense than anybody else anyhow. And we are one of the world's superpowers. So, of course, percentage-wise, we're going to provide the most. Mm. But it's not like the fucking Europeans are sitting on their hands and and, and yeah, seeing yeah. where the cards may fall. Yeah. They are... They are very engaged in making sure Ukraine stays a free country. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, you know, like I said, Ukraine, Ukraine's first counteroffensive made huge gains before the winter months. And, you know, they're waiting for the mud to dry and all this shit so they could actually maneuver. There's been saboteur attacks on, you know, legitimate military targets and, and, and logistics infrastructure that would support the Russian war machine. So they're doing the deep battle space shaping. They've looked, they've, they've been learning. And even in that first counteroffensive, part of why that counteroffensive was effective was their ability to use combined arms in a way that we've only seen the U S do and some of our NATO allies, mm-hmm. but typically with that being, you know, a U.S. led operation. So they've already proven it once that they understand the grasp of the concepts and they, you know, they listen. And there was internal purges in the Ukrainian military of the people that were corrupt mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. would stifle things. And one of the, when I was asked to go to Ukraine, it was because the logistics side of the Ukrainian military was very old Soviet style fucking grease my palms mm. fucking to get anything done. And, you know, through the leadership of Zelensky, they're like, we don't have time for shit like mm-hmm. that. And if you're one of these motherfuckers, you have to fucking go. I think that was largely due to like U.S. advisors telling them you have to get rid of this mm. fucking shit like this. Mm-hmm. Or you will be as bad as the Russians. Yeah. Right. As far as your ability to fight a war. Yeah. 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 I, you know, yeah, I would agree with just about everything you said. And I actually, you know, I think I, I look back at the previous offensive that was so successful last year. And, excuse me, and I, you know, in the Ukrainians... The, one of the most important factors were, uh, or the aspects is were when you know when this war is written about years from now, is the fact that the Ukrainians were able to learn and adapt and to change, uh, in a way that the Russians you know have so far have not been able to. You know what I mean? And it has been, um, uh, yeah. If they if they continue, and which I I see no reason why they wouldn't. If they continue to adapt and change, yeah, I think it's going to be. Um, if not a route, I, I see. I I think it very well could be a route. It could be it could be friggin' uh, uh, bruising humiliation for Russia. But at the very least, uh, I I don't see it. Um, I don't see barring some other X factor, um, like China entering entering the war, which I highly doubt. I highly highly doubt. Um, Russia doesn't have any other allies that are really going to support it. So yeah, I think. Um, uh, I think yeah, I think it's going to be a, a pretty significant offensive and a pretty significant victory. So, um, so yeah. So and even I know. And the last thing too, you know, even if that going back to my scenario, let's just say Trump or you know another Republican that is, wants to end the war is elected next year. 
you know, NATO, that may be the impetus, and, and assuming the war is still going on, more even, more, this might, this war, it might be a moot point, because the war might be over by then, but, um, you know, assuming the war is still going on, let's just assume we're in a similar place come January 2025, and we got a Republican in the White House who does not want to continue the war, then, um, then, you know, NATO can still step up. Europe can still step up. It's not like um, uh, they're unable to fund. The fact that, um, and this is a larger, you know, a larger discussion, the fact that um, uh, the U.S. has been the guarantor of European security, or Western European security, that is, since, um, you know, the end of World War II, um, does not mean that these countries can't step up in the... Um, you know, should the U.S. Um, uh, uh, withdraw, or should the U.S. take a um, uh, a step back? So that's the, the article that I read didn't discuss that at all. So um, yes, I think it, 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 if 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 there it's it's certainly if there is if there were all sorts of if all if there if there was a reality where all sorts of dominoes fell in the exact right way at the exact right time then it might work out for the Russians. But I think, again, the chances of that are so, so minusculely and microscopically small that I, I, I really do think that the, um, this, might, yeah, this might be the last gap for the Russians and their options are really starting to close. Now, I have another really interesting article that I read. I may have even sent it to you. No, no, sorry, I sent it, I think I sent it to my, um, I may have sent it to you, but um, I can't remember if I sent it to you or a friend of mine, but read a really, really fantastic article in um, uh, War on the Rocks, and it was basically, it was, it was titled, you know, um, uh, What if China has a, um, a Potemkin Village Army as well? And what the article uh, discussed was, um, you know, Russia, Vladimir, Vladimir Putin, for the last five or ten years, has been... Um, fed all of this, uh, you know, all this inaccurate information from his advisors that you know Russia has a strong military, it's a, a powerful and competent military. We have these hypersonic missiles. We've done all this modernization, and um, you know when it was actually battle tested, it fell apart, and it was a bunch of smoke and mirrors. And the same sort of problems that plagued you know all autocracies that plagued the Soviet Union of dysfunction, of corruption. Um, plagued uh, the Russian army as well. And the, the article went on to say, what if um, the same thing is going on in um, the Chinese military? And, you know, the, the, the thing that really fascinates it, in, in a nutshell, the, what happens in autocracies and doesn't happen in um, democracies and countries that, you know, hold their leaders more accountable is that um, advisors generally tell the autocratic leader, what he wants to hear, and not what he needs to hear, and yeah, you, yep. for fear of getting a firing squad, yeah, themselves, exactly, exactly. So that's yep, that's the first problem, and then the second problem, which you can see with Pig, I can never pronounce it, Pigrosin and the Wagner, the Wagner group here, is that the intelligent uh, battlefield commanders uh, eventually start to, you know, they're, they, they start to rise in prominence, they, start, they grow more popular, and that becomes a threat to the autocrats. So instead of letting a, um, you know, a popular and effective battlefield commander uh, rise and potentially become a rival, the autocrat has to cut him off. So 
he, you know, not only has, so Putin has not only spent the last, you know, 10, 15 years listening to a bunch of corrupt oligarchs tell him how great and powerful the Russian army is, but I think, you know, one of the reasons that they can't, um, that they can't change is because uh, Putin cannot promote uh, competent people or put competent people in charge. He has to put yes men in charge because he also has to maintain his power. He has to look out. He has to watch his back. So uh, I, you know that feeds to that into the um, the incompetence of the Russian army. I, we don't know if the Chinese army is the same, but what, what do you think about that? Well, I would say. That is a very interesting question because one of Russia's failures, and I and, and I do believe, like every country that's like that, you know, if you if you tell the if you let the emperor know that it's not new clothes and that he's naked, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, when everybody is like, yes, we're, you know, we're the best, um, you know, you might end up with your head cut off. Mm-hmm. That's and, and we've seen that, like. Russia, you know, when when it came out, these big Russian military exercises that are promoted, that the truth behind it, like, you know, when you pull back the curtain in Oz, it's months and months of planning. And then these military exercises that look like, oh, God, Russia's the shock troops that could come in in a second, like, depletes the Russian military. And it takes six months to a year for them to be able to even do this fucking dog and pony show again right you see that there's a weak nco core mm-hmm. and a bunch of yes men and, and the people that aren't yes men are fucking corrupt as fuck and even the yes men are probably corrupt as fuck as, as well right so it's completely disjointed um china's very much the same thing like you don't you don't talk back to the state or talk mm-hmm. ill of the state to include their military ambitions, right? And so the question is, what does their NCO core look like? What mm-hmm. does their small unit leadership look like? What does their leadership look like? Um, is it akin to North Korea and what we're seeing in Russia? Or is it something different? Like, are they smart enough to learn the lessons to know that you need to have uh, depth in that bag chart of small unit leadership and be able to shift on the fly. Mm. Probably not. The Japanese in World War II didn't have that. Like they would follow the last orders, no matter from the senior mm. leadership, no mm. matter how fucked up they were to the end. And when that failed, they all cut their own guts out, right? Like there mm. was no like, hey, this isn't working. We got to try something different or we have to shift our tactics a little. They had one fucking thing. It came from a central command. And when it didn't work, they didn't have anything to do. Mm-hmm. Right. They didn't know they weren't. They weren't a thinking man's army. They were fucking robots. So given everything else China does, how do you how do you think their military is? Do you think they have small unit leaderships are are? You know, mm. is a thinking military and able to make their own decisions and go very decentralized? Probably not, because the entire fucking government is very yeah. centralized, right? That's the whole point of the fucking communist system. I highly doubt that they have that. Um, they have numbers, they have technology, so they could certainly fucking it. it's 
it certainly would be a difficult task to go toe-to-toe with the Chinese. But the advantage that we have is we understand the importance of that and train to that, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of like, you know, Force Design 2030, which the Commandant gets a lot of fucking gruff about, about changing the way the Marine Corps operates. And we're not a traditional Mew, mm-hmm. right? They cited the recent inability to respond to the earthquakes in Turkey, inability to respond to getting the embassy cleared out in Sudan as the, oh, well, see, the commandant was getting away from the traditional MUs, and we these are MU missions that Marines have now not done, mm, right, mm. because we weren't there. Now, my thought is, is that on the commandant, or is that on the Navy halting building amphibious ships because the commandant went in front of fucking Congress and said, we need to have 38 fucking ships in, in, in the amphibious side of the house, the Navy for us to do our job. Mm. And they were turned down. The Navy dropped that number to 31 and then put a halt to amphibious shipbuilding for two years. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what I mean? So it's like, and, and so which is it? Is it we're trying to modernize the force? Uh, because this whole uh, ta- like crisis response task force thing was developed in the Marine Corps as I was leaving, mm-hmm. right? We executed it in the defense of the fucking Baghdad, the embassy in Baghdad, and they've been using it in, in AFRICOM quite extensively, right? So this whole, because of technology, and lethality, you're able to do, you're able to preposition company sized elements instead of fighting the Mew as a battalion. You're able to do things as individual companies' uh, mission sets. So that gave us more capability, right? Mm-hmm. Between air power and between able to operate from the sea, the crisis response task force were able to extend our reach in an area, right? Mm-hmm. With the Mew is kind of the anchor in that area. But if you, and some of that mission set is very similar. Like you don't need tanks and all this bullshit for that. And like, we're not the army, right? So, I mean, I defend 2030. I mm. defend that because being a guy on the ground during the MWR or MWX is in 29 Palms, training Marines on how the future of warfare is going to be like, I've seen it in action and it fucking works. Mm. You have to rethink things when you're dealing with someone. China has the same tech that you have. And maybe in some cases, better technology. Like you can't, you can't fight it the same way Mm. because you're going to move those. You're going to put those tanks on shore, ashore, which, okay. In amphibious operations, those tanks aren't going ashore until, like, fucking a couple hours in, if you're lucky. If mm. you're fighting the whole battalion on their traditional Mew, right? You're going to be on the ground for almost a day before you get those fucking tanks on shore. That's just how it is. Artillery, you're going to have to rely on the ships because artillery's not going to come ashore for probably a day, day and a half, mm. right? Like, that's just how it works. So can you afford to wait that long? And if you have a huge signature like that with a fucking 
a, a foreign power that has the same tech you have, the likelihood that those things survive, probably not likely. So that's when you go fucking commando style, mm-hmm. rolling deep, give them technology, tie it to fucking systems, right? Like drones and other shit that can work their way in. That can work. However, you need to have the ability to get there in the first place. So, mm. you know, the, the, the Navy shipping aspect of it uh, is important, right? Mm. Um, you know, China's one of those things, like, there's a lot of numbers to take down. There's a lot of tech to fight against. But when it comes to two things, fucking A, resolve, and B, being a thinking you, like engaging that fucking brain, the fucking gray matter in your head. Mm-hmm. Does China have that ability? I don't think that they do. Yeah. yeah, you know, and the other thing that China doesn't have is experience. Um, they haven't been really fighting wars since the last. The actually the last, um, you know, a, a, a cross border uh, war that they had where they had significant military. Uh, uh, presence was in Vietnam in the late seventies. They went into Vietnam at one point in the late seventies, and they had mixed, um, uh, you know, very mixed results. And you know that's that's a long time ago. And the, the, I would be surprised if there was a single member um, uh, in the military that was that was in the military back then. And uh, you know things change, and we have a the the U.S. and the West has a ton of experience, not just directly with in Iraq and Afghanistan. But also, you know, working with Ukraine and providing intelligence and seeing what works um, here as well. You know, we've got experience in the Balkans, experience in the Middle East, experience in Europe. Um, so yeah, so so that's so it's interesting because uh, so I, you know, I think that yeah, China's really interesting because it's it's a black box. It's very opaque, um, and even the Chinese, you know, if they're one of the things the, the uh, article said is that you know the Chinese are being uh, honest with themselves. Even they don't know how they're going to perform. You know what I mean? So. Um, that which leads me into my the next thought and the next topic that I had. And I want, I want to hear what you have to say about this. So I actually noticed Putin's in a trap, but in one very important way, he is actually in a similar position to where we were in Iraq in about 2005, 2006-ish in Afghanistan a little bit later, and it is the the psychology of leadership and the psychology of um, the the you know invading army. And this is this 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 crosses ideological lines. This this is what I'm about to say is just as true for democracies as it is for autocracies, and it's and it's really about human psychology. And what I've noticed is when. You know, when when you have um, foreign powers invading countries or any any other power that gets caught um, in a quagmire, like you know, like we were in Vietnam, like we were in Iraq and Afghanistan, like um, you know the Soviets were in Afghanistan, and like Russia is now in Ukraine, it becomes the the motivation for you know leadership becomes less about winning and more about not losing. And it seems like those would be the same things, but they're actually, there's a distinction. And the, you know, when you're trying to win, you're obviously pouring resources into it. You're motivated, you're excited, you have momentum at your back. 
when you're trying to not lose, that's when you have you have lost momentum, you have lost the will and support of your people. Putin, on paper, 95% of the Russian population supports the war. In reality, much, much, much less, as evidenced by all the, the middle-aged males that were leaving the country. But it becomes about not wanting to um, lose face. And, and Putin knows if he loses this war, um, there's a very very good chance that he will lose power as well. Not impossible. He still could hold on to it. But um, but even I think back to, you know, Iraq 2005, 2006, 2007, and, and also um, the election of Barack Obama. So 2005, 2006, 2007, um, you know, after the war in Iraq had dragged on for a couple of years and it could, you could see where we were starting to get bogged down. At that point, you know, looking through the lens of history, at that point, we could have just um, picked up, left the country, um, maybe left a small force there, and probably been no worse off than we are right now. And even, uh, but of course, you know, Bush didn't want to do that. He got us into this war. He wanted to see it through. Um, when Obama was elected, he ran on the promise to end the war in Iraq, which he did for a moment, but then had to send troops back in. And at that point, it wasn't about winning the war. It was just about trying to save face. Now, not lose face as a leader. And, um, you know, eventually we very, 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 very slowly reduced our numbers in Iraq so that we have a small force there. Biden took it on the chin in 2021. And actually, um, though I overall approve of um, the job Biden's doing, I do think that the withdrawal from Afghanistan was absolutely the low point of his presidency and um, was very, very poorly executed. But, um, you know, he decided, I'm going to end it. He's like, I'm going to be the one who um, uh, is going to withdraw. And he did. And in an odd way, it, it it has kind of given us the moral upper hand here in Ukraine. Everybody kind of forgets that Afghanistan happened. And, um, you know, nobody in Russia or China can say, you know, th- throw back at us that we're uh, uh, occupying um, uh, Afghanistan. So, either way. Um, but let me, let, me, let me open it up that, that up to you. So, you know, seeing, you know, when, when these militaries and when countries are, are caught in quagmires like this, um, you know, do you think it is the um, thought process of leadership is more like, like how do we get out of this without, you know, out getting too bloody or, um, you know, what do you think exactly? Well, my thought, let me go back real quick to the pullout of Afghanistan. I don't think, and I've said this before, that was what I expected to happen, mm-hmm. right? And this is why no one ever, no, none of the previous presidents got out of Afghanistan because they didn't know how to do it without being a complete shit show, mm-hmm. right? And that's because we went in there in the first place, tried a nation bill, which is total fucking bullshit because we couldn't, we didn't understand the culture. So yeah, I'll say this, Russia, my thought is Russia is going to lose this motherfucker and it's going to be, it's going to be a repeat of fucking them leaving Afghanistan where, and what was it? 89 or so, whenever that was where they were all fucking, 
the columns were leaving, it's going to be the same shit. Battered, beat, broken, fucking absolutely destroyed to go back and be forgotten. It's like, and the point being, it's war. It's fucking shit. It's nasty. It's horrible. And anybody thinks it's some fucking honorable, like, there is honor uh, in the Ukrainians defending themselves from this fucking fascist fucking invading country, right? There's honor there. But this is the fucking modern world and, like, sweeping armies in. Like, there's no fucking Alexander the Great, Mm -hmm. like... It's, this is a, this is a, we are a free society. This is a modern world. That shit has no place anymore. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, like someday when we get our shit together and realize like, uh, you know, we're all one race, the human race, and we're all, we're all the fucking same, uh, you know, maybe we won't fucking limit our potential as human beings by fucking borders and fucking shit like that. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fucking, uh, repeat of the Russians leaving Afghanistan where it was just a fucking pointless shit show, just like our fucking time in Afghanistan was a fucking pointless endeavor. Right? Like, just, you know, it's not designed to win, dude. It's designed to fucking, for these assholes to make as much money as they can off the fucking backs of poor Americans that go, that get fed bullshit dreams of glory and fighting for freedom. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it doesn't have a happy ending. It's always shit. I, so, <laughs> I agree. I agree one thousand percent. And the thing that I have, I, I since I since I racked, since I've been studying war, the thing, the thing I found is that there is, there's no such thing as a good war or a justifiable war. There's justifiable reactions to aggression, but there's never a good reason to be aggressive and to preemptively launch a war or to launch a war. And if you look at every single war since World War I, every, every war where the aggressor has gone in has been, has been unjustified. Very, very, very few of them have been successful. And I look at, and everybody will say, well, you know, weren't we justified going into World War II? It's like, well, we were not the aggressor in World War II. You know, Germany and Japan were the aggressors in World War II, and they were both soundly defeated. You know, we were beaten in Vietnam. Uh, the Soviets were beaten in Afghanistan. We were beaten in Iraq, and um, uh, uh, we were beaten in Iraq and um, uh, Afghanistan. And yet, yeah, the Russians inevitably are going to get beaten in Ukraine. And, and even even in absolute worst case scenario they're going to be beaten 20 or 30 years from now. I don't think that's going to happen. I think it's going to happen much, much, much sooner than that. But that's, over the long term, they are not going to be able to subjugate the Ukrainians. The Ukrainians will fight back and will win somehow. So, but you look at every single 
uh, war, and World War One. World War One is uh, only ever so slight. Well, the, the, I guess the Germans did start it, but the, there was a series of alliances, so it didn't start in the you know the same way as you know World War Two did. But um, yeah, it just it it doesn't work, and and you know, and we don't learn. Like like humanity just doesn't seem to learn from this. You know what I mean? Um, it it just we just we just can't fucking figure. There's always going to be. You know, somebody like Putin who um, is butthurt about, you know, whatever historical wrong, the fall of the Soviet Union or fucking whatever it is. And uh, he's going to have a bunch of shitty advisors who are going to say, no, we can do it, we can do it, we can do it. And they're just going to go in and get their fucking asses handed to them and lead their country into ruin. And I guess it ha- I, I don't know, I guess it has to happen every... Um, every 15, 20 years or so. I mean, the Chinese, I guess the Chinese... If they go into Taiwan and they get their fucking butts kicked and leads to a new Cold War and they see their economy contract because all of a sudden the West pulls out, I I don't know, maybe maybe they have to actually experience it, um, you know, to in order to get a taste of it to not do it again. But yeah, I, it just it just and, and the U.S. I I mean I love America, but you know what? We've made some fucking pretty stupid fucking decisions. You know what I mean? And like it's come to bite us in the ass. So we're certainly not. Um, by any means, um, uh, uh, immune from this, you know what I mean? So, um, and we're definitely, we are not making the wrong decision in Ukraine. We are absolutely making the right decision in Ukraine, but yeah, I, Ukraine, but, but again, Ukraine is, Ukraine is a reaction to, we are supporting people who are defending themselves, and that's very, very different than, um, uh, uh, yeah, if we, we, if, 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 if Ukraine had decided to invade Russia, I would not have supported that, but, um, of course, they, that would never happen, so, so yeah, it just keeps going on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And hopefully one day we'll learn, but I don't know if we ever will. So with that, here we are at the end. Earlier you said you had some interesting final thoughts. I'm curious to hear what they are. Yeah. So you know, it's one of those things. I gotta preface this and. and I think my fucking absolute disgust and what makes me so pissed off is because I do give a shit about this country, right? I think, I think any true... There's fucking what I call Applebee's veterans, right? The ones on Veterans Day that will go out and make the rounds to every fucking freebie handout they could get, right? And they probably did four fucking years during the Cold War, didn't see shit, didn't do shit, bitched the entire time they were in the military, because I know those fuckers personally, mm-hmm. but come fucking Veterans Day, <laughs> fucking, where's my free appetizer, right? Where's my blooming onion? First off, fuck all of those people, right? Like, I- I'm sorry, but it's one of those things where, like, Because one of those assholes, or any one of those assholes, will say to me that spent 20 years in the Marine Corps, 10 of which in fucking combat, who is, like, fed the fuck up with our fucking kids getting killed in this country. Like, this is the United States of America, right? Like, this is the United States of America. We went and fought for fucking freedom. We put our fucking friends and fucking body bags to so that quote unquote we do it over there so it doesn't happen here well here 
You can't go to fucking school. You can't go to a mall. You can't go to a church. You can't go anywhere without the fucking threat of being fucking murdered. Mm-hmm. Right? Because these fucking fragile masculinity assholes. And I've had this when I've. I know shit had a fucking dude say to me on social media when when the Vivaldi, uh, Uvalde fucking school shooting happened in Texas. I was like, how how long are we going? When are we going to do something about this? How long is it going to like how many kids have to fucking die before we do something about this? And you know what some asshole wrote to me on social media? All of them. And then put quote unquote shall not be infringed. Right. Oh, gosh. So because yeah. so because yeah. some asshole with a fucking two inch dick he can't get hard has to get a fucking AR-15 to feel like a fucking man. That guy's fucking selfishness and it's fucking everybody. Right. I have to have my AR fucking 15 uh, because it's America. Right. And 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 fuck all of the fuck, fuck the fact that you can't, you literally cannot go anywhere in this country without the threat of fucking being murdered. What the fuck did we fight for? Yeah. Right? And let me throw another one in. What the fuck did we fight for? Because we have the Taliban in the fucking United States. What is the Taliban, right? The Taliban were the religious zealots who imposed, who imposed. They're fucking who oppressed women, who oppressed oppressed entire populations based off of some imaginary fuck in the fucking sky, right? And enacted laws and held courts and fucking crucified motherfuckers, literally, for God, right? And and who are very militant. Well, we have that now, right? We have these fucking imbeciles and fucking these fucking mega fucking Trump support motherfuckers who managed to get into the goddamn get into Congress. These fucking morons with fucking AR-15 lapels. Right. And every time fucking eight kids die, they're like, well, now's not the time to talk about gun control. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers don't do a fucking thing. Right. I'll tell you what, so let's ban abortion. Fuck banning abortion. Thoughts and prayers, motherfucker. Thoughts and prayers. You know, like, if it's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. It's such fucking bullshit. The the GOP has proven to be, like, shit. Fucking Florida, they... You know what one of the banned books in Florida is? It's the fucking biography of Rosa Parks. Mm, mm, right? Yeah, that's crazy. Because yeah. we don't want to be too woke. Absolutely fuck all of those people. They are the yeah. fucking... The GOP are white supremacists, the modern-day Taliban. They are the evangelical fucking Taliban. They Texas wants the Ten Commandments in every fucking classroom. What fucking country am i fucking living in right this is my final thoughts like if you give two shits about fucking freedom we vote all of these fucking assholes out and we make sure this shit never happens again and here's the other thing Mm -hmm. besides 
instead of militarizing police, right? Instead of putting police in fucking MRAPs and they look, they're better equipped than we were in fucking Fallujah. How about you fucking get, how about we use that money and fucking teach them what the goddamn constitution is? Because it's a fucking police state. It's the fucking Taliban, right? God forbid you step out. God forbid a fucking guy wants to put a fucking dress on. Are we, are we not a free country? Right? God forbid a dude wants to put a fucking dress on. Oh no. Fucking put their, put their ass in jail. Right? They want like women seeking women's health and a fucking, and, and abortions. They've made abortion almost impossible. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. But, but God forbid a fucking woman who wants to have control over the body. They're talking about giving them the death sentence. So are we fucking pro-life? The fuck we are. If we were pro-life, if we were fucking pro-life, this fucking Allen, uh, Texas shooting, this guy was in Army boot camp in 2008, and he fucking got kicked out. He didn't even make it through boot camp. Why cited mental health condition, right? He was so cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, they wouldn't let him join the United States Army. But in the state of Texas, he was able to buy a fucking assault rifle, right? What the fuck are we doing? There are laws on the books. Dude, I own two AR-15s. I build them myself. I own an AK, right? Mm. I've never been anti-gun. But we are out of fucking control in this fucking country. And I'll tell you what, if it meant no more fucking dead kids, if it meant no one is under the threat of being fucking murdered tomorrow, I would take those fucking weapons and I would melt them the fuck down. I'm like, I don't want to turn them into the cops and be like, I don't want it anymore because I don't trust those motherfuckers. (laughs) There was 300 cops in Uvalde school with fucking plate carriers and fucking... M4 rifles with one motherfucking kid who is able to gun down an entire class of 300 cops that were armed like fucking with better fucking armaments, better gear than we Mm -hmm. had in fucking Fallujah. Mm -hmm. And you know what? You could, you could put a fucking, you could put a fucking weapon of war in a fucking cop's head, but if he has no fucking balls or spine, it's fucking worthless. You know what the cops mm-hmm. did do that day? They fucking arrested parents that were trying to get their fucking kids out of a goddamn death zone. That's what they did. They put them in fucking cuffs. Absolutely. I can't believe this is the fucking United States of America. And it's run by the fucking Taliban who goes to all these fucking voters who love America every fucking time. The GOP is not for the benefit of the American people. The GOP is for the benefit of the military industrial complex and every fucking billionaire who is making fucking a shit fuck ton of money off of your fucking backs. And and these fucking people can't see it because they're used to they just had a game show host for a fucking president for four years who just is on repeat with the dumbest bullshit and they all fucking buy it because he hugs a fucking American flag and says quirky shit. 
absolutely fucking crazy. That's my final thought. <laughs> All right. And that's going to be a tough one to follow. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, thank you very much for that. Um, it definitely sounded like uh, 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 you've been holding that one in for a while. So thank you. I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> I guess... You know, I guess my th- my final thought. I'm gonna just give a, a quick response to that. Like, what? I, and I agree with a whole a lot of what you said. But I I think you know, I think that um, I think that in the U.S. we we've and I don't I don't know if it's because of cable news or the internet or all of the above. But I think that we have become um, we haven't become uh, we, we've become bad at finding um you know, workable and logical solutions, you know what I mean? Like with, you know, with guns, the, the, I, I personally am not a fan of the second amendment. However, I don't necessarily think that all guns should be illegal for everybody, but there are certainly ways that we could do it, that, um, we can make it that, you know, people can own guns with certain restrictions and that, you know, that a minority of uh, gun people would chafe at, but the vast majority of people in the country would be very comfortable with. Um, but we just can't seem to do that. Like with, you know, the the um, masking. Actually, so you know, the the virus, the, the the pandemic is over, but at its height, everybody was freaking out about masking, and it was like, just wear the fucking mask. I mean, just 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 do it for your neighbors, do it for your country, do it for yourself, do it for your fucking family. But people, it was, and it wasn't like. We were asking people to throw 40 pounds of gear and a fucking flak jacket on and walk around town um, with that. It was just a mask over your face. And I, I think that we have gotten, we, we, we've kind of, we've lost the script in a lot of ways. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, and we, we all just, we all need to, to kind of relax and just look at what the fuck is going on and, and come up with some practical solutions that are definitely, you know, the other thing too, nobody, and this is, this is true on both sides nobody nobody likes to give any ground anymore we have to learn to give a little bit of ground for the greater good and that's one of the things actually that the military um teaches you is that you're gonna uh, you're gonna have to make some sacrifices and give up a little bit for the greater good it doesn't mean we're slip slip sliding down into totalitarianism it doesn't mean that we're you know going. so yeah so 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 i will leave it i'll leave that part at that now the second part and, and actually, Maxwell, if you want to chime into this, um, you want to have a, a final word on this too. I think, so moving forward, you know, I had my experience in Iraq. You had your experience in Iraq. We all, every veteran has had their experience in the military. I, 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 and I don't think that, I think you'll be hard-pressed to find an Iraq and Afghanistan veteran that will say that, you know, that still thinks that what we did was great and it was good. I think it's just, you know, we, we, we certainly individuals did individual things. I still, and I'm very proud of my service. Let me say that too. There's this, you know, I'm very proud of my service and I'm very proud of the, you know, the individuals I served with and some of the things that I did. But I, I, I you know, I can't look anyone in the eye and say that, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan um, turned out well. Um, for either, you know, for the Iraqis, for the Afghans, or for us, as a matter of fact. And I thought about the, what the next war is going to be. And if, I, if the next war ends up being, like, if we end up walking into a stupid war and it looks like we're walking into a stupid war, that's going to be easy. And um, uh, our experience in Iraq is going to, um, 
is going to help, uh, you know, color that. But if we, the next war turns out to be something like World War Two or 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 a broader conflict with China, where that is um, justified, or something that I agree with, if if, if it ended up. Um, if there was an escalation and we ended up having to go into Ukraine and send boots, you know, into Ukraine, it would have to be a pretty significant escalation. I don't think we're there yet. But assuming we did, um, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be, it's, it's, I, I don't know, I find myself a little bit torn and I, I don't know the circumstance. We'll have to see when it happens, but um you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's worse, tough, and there's no, I guess my point is that there's no, there's no single answer to every conflict, and that's, I, conceptually, I think that's hard for us, certainly hard for me, to wrap my brain around, because, like, on one hand, I, I actually, I absolutely do think war is fucking stupid, and just destructive, and way more harmful than it's worth, but, sometimes you gotta fight them and sometimes you have to you know accept that there are going to be horrible losses so it, it's um it's difficult and i i guess maybe Max, I'll, I'll i'll open it up to you i'll open it up and you can get the, the last word like you know have you thought about that and um you know where you know you're gonna potentially stand if it is another you know war that's like world war Two or something that you feel like we're gonna have to fight Oh, man, it's funny because I had posted a thing on Instagram once. There was a picture with a sign that says, I'm already against the next war. And, uh, I mean, there is World War II, like, World War II, justifiable. Getting the people that got us for fucking 9-11, justifiable. Nation building, not justifiable, right? Hunt down Bin Laden and dismantle Al-Qaeda? Yes. And I think it could have been done well, but this whole fucking mission creep and bullshit uh, never let a fucking crisis go to waste kind of thing where, you know, let's use this to fucking put a foot down in freaking the Middle East. No. Like... It's like, okay, I equate this. I made a comment about the fucking Marine that choked out the guy on the subway in New York City, right? There's a big difference. And and I said in my comment, I wasn't there, so this is really just armchair quarterbacking. I'm just going to say this. Number one, New York City, guy crazily ranting on a subway, that's standard. That's, that's standard fare. There's a big difference between a nuisance and a threat. And if I'm a Marine with training, I need to know the difference. Also, if I've been trained, right, in a blood choke, I need to know appropriate measure of force, Mm. right? Is a guy who's wildly erratic on a subway, do you need to choke him to death, right? Blood choke, okay. You're cutting off the blood to the brain. You're going to fucking pass the fuck out. And you hold that choke down long enough after he's done and 
especially don't do it with a smile on your face because that's mm. incriminating, right? But you hold it till the blood completely cuts off through his brain long enough to kill him. It's, it's my my statement on that is the statements of the United States, like. We should only go to war for the defense of this country, legitimate defense of this country, not we want to control the fucking oil in the mm-hmm. Middle East or we want fucking we rigged an election and they fucking found out about it. Now we got to clean it up because the CIA is out of control. No, legitimate defense of this country. Yes, we should have a strong military and should it be deterrence for people to come and do harm to us. And it has to be with that kind of power comes awesome responsibility, right? Like mm, that responsible yeah. that responsibility is to know when and when not to use it. Mm. Because that takes a heavy tax out of your people. I mean, right now, the threat to our country is our own fucking people. Mm-hmm. And it, and we see it every day. We lose like fucking ten people a day to this shit. Mm. Right? And so it's like one of those things like, do we fucking value human life? Because it doesn't seem like it to me. Mm. So, what war is justifiable? Like in Russia or in Ukraine, the Russians steamrolled into a free country and tried to subjugate it. Right? Mm-hmm. Just like the just like Germany taking over Europe and Japan taking over the fucking Pacific Rim doing atrocious things mm-hmm. to people, right? Holocaust, the fucking raping of Nanking, and how the fucking Chinese people were treated by the Japanese, right? Australian soldiers buried up to their head and run over by tanks, like that kind of, that lack of value for human life needs to be, needs to be snuffed out wherever it fucking creeps mm-hmm. up, Right? The Russians need to be defeated, and they need to be defeated hard. So they learn the fucking lesson, like, don't stick your hand in the cookie jar, because they'll get cut the fuck off, Mm -hmm. right? The the United States needs to have that capability and needs to respond with overwhelming force when attacked, right? But the problem with our fucking country is... We loosely justify force for almost fucking anything. And we spent 20 years blood and treasure for fucking no return on investment. Mm. Iraq was never a threat to the fucking United States of America. Never. Right? Mm -hmm. George Washington said, don't get involved with treaties with other countries because you... You may not be subjugated to a king, but you'll find yourself subjugated real quick, Mm. right? 9-11 happened. We went to Afghanistan. Did we go into Saudi Arabia? No. What was the nationality of every fucking hijacker on Mm. 9-11? They were Saudi. Mm. But Saudi oil is in bed with fucking Washington, D.C. We can't do that. The only planes that left the United States on, on September 11th we're fucking Saudis getting back to their country. Yeah. That was George W. Michael Bush, baby. Mr. September himself. 
fucking <laughs> yeah like you know like yeah Bin Laden and the fucking ta- Bin Laden and Al Qaeda were ha- were hanging out in Afghanistan. Yeah, let's go, let's go, let's cut the head off the fucking snake. Yeah. We were so fucking, we were so fucking hell bent on this fucking global, this endless war that will just generate money. Like <laughs> John Ashcroft sits on the board of directors at Constellus, and he sat on the board before it was Constellus. And Constellus used to be called Z. And before it was Z, it was called Blackwater. It's interesting that that a Bush administration official, right? Uh Uh, The Justice Department fucking, uh, what do they call call that guy? Attorney General. Mm-hmm. The Attorney General of the United States out of the George W. Bush sits on the board at at what is now, you know, Blackwater had such bad press they had to change the name three times. Mm-hmm. All right. Well. Yeah, sorry. I could go on forever. Right. Halliburton, Dick Cheney. <laughs> it's just interesting who made money off this yeah. shit. I guess, I guess, yeah, my, my, my super final thought be, I guess I'm going to have to wait and see <laughs> what happens. Um, because every situation and every war is different, but uh, yeah, but but right. we had a nice long one. This was a good conversation, and um, yeah, a lot of stuff going on. But so we'll see. It's it's the prediction is yet you know May or June when this new offensive is going to start. So um, it's right around the corner, and we're going to be here to bring it to you. So so thank you everybody who's listening, Maxwell. Thank you so much. Hell yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. Um, Hopefully Harper will be back next week, and we will see you next week.